Hey everybody, uh, and welcome back to Digital Artcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in again for another great episode. Um, I hope you guys all around the world at this point are staying safe. Um, I know a lot of uh, my friends and colleagues are out either marching or taking place in, in what's going on just now in America and in other places around the world. Um, I just hope everybody is looking after themselves and their friends and family. And uh, just again, my thanks for MD who's tuning in for either the first time or the 15th time, um, whatever. Um, our community is definitely growing. Our Discord and uh, our live streams have been quite successful, so we're getting a kind of bigger audience now. And of course, recently we just passed 2,000 subs. We're heading towards two and a half at this point. So my thanks again to everybody who's subscribing and checking out the podcast. Uh, it really means a lot to me. Um, today, uh, we've got another amazing guest on, uh, somebody that I had seen previously, their work, um, but never really reached out to them. But then during the recent uh, IFCC, uh festival that we had online um shout out to marco uh yeah uh this artist was demon uh and doing a kind of lecture at the time and uh, i kind of tuned in and walked through his process and thought it might be something that's great to share with the rest of the audience uh if anybody has any kind of questions about that stream past or maybe just wants to dive deeper into the the process of building and making characters um because i know that he also has a, a course that is now uh, up with ifcc as well that we can talk about as well um, but today we are introducing Mr. Jude Smith, uh, who has kindly given up his time today to come on and talk to us. So, hi Jude. Hey, how are you, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, thank you again for giving up your time. I know you're probably super busy with, with work and stuff, so yeah, no um, I appreciate that. And of course, the, the scheduling conflicts that we've had, is, as always in this podcast, it's, um, it's almost a curse just being in Scotland sometimes because I'm just so far for sure. from everybody time-wise, so it's, it's always difficult. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you, you had some time to spare. So yeah, I'm excited. Uh, yeah. So um, so for people who don't maybe know you uh, too well, um, can you just give a little quick brief um, rundown on who you are and what you do? Sure. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i a concept artist in Vancouver. I work for Kabam. Um, I've been working there for four years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also do some freelance for um, various studios too. Um, but I've... I've been in the industry for four years. I started, um, I went to the Art Institute in Washington, D.C. Uh, That's kind of what sort of led me down this path. Uh, I was always very interested in concept art growing up. Mm -hmm. uh, And my my grandmother is a painter. And so at a young age, I was, I was, um, I uh, was introduced into kind of the art world and, you know, played around with painting and, Right. and uh, stuff like that and then um and then i went to the art institute for three years and i studied uh, media arts and animation mm-hmm. i i kind of knew that i wanted to go into concept art right. uh, so i tailored my portfolio towards that and i did really well there um, mm-hmm. graduated at the top of my class and oh well done yeah um but uh i kind of when I, when I graduated, I kind of knew that my portfolio wasn't really, uh, you know, industry standard yet. So right year, I really just kind of grinded away at my work, rebuilding my portfolio and working on any projects that were art related to kind of get my foot in the door. Right. And, you know, being from a small town, um, you know, there, I didn't really have a lot of connections and, and I happened to, uh, you know, just 
every couple months just submit my artwork out there to different studios trying to right. pick up work and then um about a year after graduation uh kabam uh reached out to me and and uh i had like 10 days to move to vancouver and <laughs> i've been i've been in vancouver ever since and it's been it's been great how do you find uh vancouver and maybe canada in general as opposed to being brought up in the states how do you feel that has, has been different they're they're pretty similar honestly um mm-hmm. there there are there isn't a lot of a difference uh mm-hmm. it um it's very relaxed here it's nice to also have health care so that's great um, <laughs> affordable health care so yeah uh, but but yeah no it's uh i i really like working here um cool. vancouver is kind of a is kind is is a much bigger hub in the gaming industry than than I realized. Uh, I didn't I didn't really know much about Vancouver before moving here. But there's a lot of there's a lot of great studios here. The animation industry here is huge. Um, yeah, and, I think uh, there's um is that the is that the city that has the the Sheridan School of Arts? Yes, uh, they're not in Vancouver. I I can't remember exactly where they are, but um, but yeah, they're one of the the more known art schools in in canada yeah we had uh when we first started the podcast one of my co-hosts was uh, a guy called colin cyril i don't know if you know colin at all Mm-mm, i don't i don't believe so, so. He, he's a he's a vis dev artist but he went to sheridan and uh he works at a place now i think it's george elliott animation um mm, okay. they've done they've done a lot of work with ubisoft so um so he was out from there but yeah yeah vancouver and i think canada in general seems like a, a nice place to chill and, and be an artist it, there seems to be a a good vibe from a lot of schools out there and, and also studios. So yeah, it seems, it seems like an interesting place. So, so when you were leaving your concept work uh, and you were kind of aiming your portfolio, uh, did you know specifically at the start you wanted to focus on characters? Like that was your main drive? Um, honestly, I was a really big, uh, I was really big into environment design. Um, that's kind of what I wanted to do originally. Um, okay. Right. And, and eventually uh, at at Kabam, they they threw me on characters, so mm-hmm. I started just doing characters on my own, just as like practice, just to kind of hone some of those skills. Right. And since then, um, you know, I don't know. Something about it has kind of taken off for me, so I've really just yeah. dove into it, and and it, it kind of allows me to to uh, have a little more focus, which I like. But um, right. but yeah, I still. I have some some background stuff that I'm in the works that I'm going to get back to eventually here, but right. uh, but yeah, it's been I don't know it it kind of just started off as just practicing and and I just kind of took off with it. Right, interesting as well though because I think I've been the same. I think more environments more because I feel like it's the no easier. Of course, it's still a, everything's a difficult job, but like I feel like compared to characters, environments. Um, are an easier subject to tackle if that makes sense oh really well i mean i feel like i mean there is there is obviously every uh form has its own complexity you know Mm -hmm, weapons characters whatever but i feel characters there's so much you have to put in uh not only research wise but just of your own personal sacrifices and arts to make a character because um you're almost in fact making a person from nothing so um i feel like when you make an environment because certain things are already there in the world like bricks walls uh you know trees things that fill up the environments but with characters sometimes i know every character has two arms and two legs and a head but you know i feel like there's almost a you're creating a personality as well and that can itself be 
um, can be something that's challenging. I feel more than uh, than environment design. I mean, this is just my personal experience, but yeah, I definitely. You know, um, for me, uh, I wanted to learn how to tell a story by just looking at a character. Mm. So that was kind of the challenge for me. Yeah. Um, where you know, with with environment design, you can kind of add specific elements and lighting and mm-hmm. uh, and things to kind of to kind of dictate what the story is. Um, right. But you know, with a character, um, you know, everything's narrowed down to just that design. So right. I was like, how how can I how can I tell a story? a story by just looking at, uh, you know, a character. And so, yeah. um, I've yeah. put a lot of focus into that. Um, right. And, and yeah, actually I, I went to a massive black workshop, uh, a couple of years ago and right. kind of, uh, it was really helpful talk listening to like Marco, uh, Dervik and uh, Thomas Scholl. Oh, the six more vodka guys. Yeah. Yeah. Just listening yeah, of to them talk about how, Oh, Marco's yeah. like, I never even knew how big of a superstar Marco was before. Like, I even really looked at a Six More Vodka, but his whole, like, even his past, like, 10 years ago, like, working for Marvel and doing so much stuff like, yeah. for film and the mm-hmm. comics. Oh, my God, the guy's, like, an absolute living legend. And I know I was, like, so ignorant to it for so long because uh, I knew Six More Vodka were an amazing studio. Like, I always mm-hmm. knew people were always talking about them. But then um, when I started to dig into Marco's past and, like, how, like things he had done, I was like, oh, my God, this guy's had some history. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, do you feel like... Um, I mean, for me personally, I think characters, for me, are the biggest part of storytelling because, you know, you can have environments, but if they're not filled with characters, then there isn't much storytelling there or there's not a lot of sure. narrative, in a sense. So um, I, do you feel like that's something you feel that connects you to characters is that you want to tell stories as a human definitely definitely um right um the the big thing that has helped boost my my work lately in the past you know i would say like two years um has has um has been uh figuring a story out to tell and basing it, basing my work off of a story. So right. all these recent characters that I've been working on, I have this story that I, that I've written down kind of loosely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, I don't know what I'll do with this. If it ever becomes something, it, right. it's probably just going to be a bunch of drawings and that's it. But, right. but I, but I base everything off of this idea and it, it's helped me understand, uh, you know what is necessary to to tell your story and what what you can leave out and and it's given me you know a sense of direction in my work um you know a, a little bit of sense of style and i keep kind of trying to push that every a little bit more every time i you know draw something new so is that a thing where like maybe in a sense um with a lot of the characters you're building are you you know, you'll probably get so much handy to you from an AD perspective when you're when you're building stuff. But if you're making your own things, are you almost writing briefs or almost like many uh, synopsis about characters before you're even drawing them? Uh, with with my art director, um, uh, usually not not a ton because I I work on a lot of Marvel stuff right now, and, right? And so those are, those characters are pretty well established. So yeah, usually we kind of know what to what to go off of. Right. Yeah. Um, for for 
for that. But in my own like personal work, definitely, you know, I, I sit down and, and think through, you know, the, the background and I'll make notes about, you know, key mm-hmm. storytelling elements or, right. um, you know, different themes that I want to work into the characters. So, right. Okay. Stuff like that. And then that, um, cause I don't, I don't know a ton about the studio you work for, but are you, um, working as a kind of outsource studio for uh marvel films specifically or is it other stuff or? no it's uh so kabam makes mobile games and mm-hmm. um and so we we have um we have a bunch of like fighter games for marvel and transformers right. and, and okay disney so um big franchises yeah so um we're a big dev studio but obviously we're you know um we work with bigger companies to right um, build these uh, these games right okay that makes sense so um for you guys who are, are using the audio version um specifically um just a quick shout out because i mean I, I don't know if you guys always tune into the youtube version but if you do specifically for this episode um we're working through uh, an episode where um you're just going to draw or work through a character design and then um you know, we'll talk about random random stuff just now, the more general stuff. But um, as the episode goes on, we'll be diving into um, design decisions that Jude is making for this character um, and maybe break down his process as well. Um, if you guys check out the YouTube version and you watch the demo, you watch uh, what he's drawn at the moment. If you have any questions after the fact, because these are, these are pre-recorded. Um, we could do something live in the future with Jude if he's got more time. Um, but also, if you guys have any questions... Um, I'll also try to leave Jude's details below and you can get in contact if you want to ask about um, anything specific or anything that he's, he's kind of drawn that you want to maybe flesh out more um, and, and talk about uh, what he's doing. Because um, you also have um, uh, a new course that's just came out, right, mm-hmm. with uh, yes. IFCC. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, sure. So um, uh, my course with IFCC is basically just a very in-depth breakdown of um, of my process and it starts uh, with talking about design theory and um, storytelling elements to keep in mind when when coming up with your designs uh, and then the next part is focusing on like you know bringing your idea actually um, you know into Photoshop and and sketching it out through and exploring design through iteration sketches um, and refining the idea with line art. Um, and then the final part is the actual painting process where, you know, you're experimenting with laying down flats and underpaint and, and then, you know, the rendering process. So uh, it's a very in-depth breakdown of, you know, um, designing a character and, and rendering it out. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, in essence, I feel sometimes when you are breaking down a character, um, specifically outside of your stuff you'll do for like Marvel or, or, or clients where, like you say, there's already um, an established uh, backstory to go off or an established prognosis of what the character is or does. Um, when you break down a lot of these drawings or you're starting to sketch out these ideas, are you working from, do you have quite in-depth kind of mood boards or, or visual references to build off of? Or are you, do you explore more with your sketching? Do you find that you sketch initially a lot of just patterns until you find a rhythm, that, that you know, something that probably sticks? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a little bit of, um, 
it's a little bit of everything, you know, it's just, um, you know, collecting the right reference to kind of figure out, you know, what the design should look like. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, oh, hey, hold on one second. I got a call yeah, coming in. No, it's fine. Hello? Hey, sorry, hold on one second. I have a package coming up. No worries. All right, sorry, man. No, it's fine. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got that death strain in our book coming. Okay. Uh, all right. Yeah. So, sorry. So we'll, you were talking about reference and, and how you can feel out a character in the initial stages. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, with, with the projects that we work on, there's, there's usually a lot of uh, information to go off of. So we'll look at like comic books or the movies, stuff like that to kind of uh, piece together, um, you know, our designs and we try to get a nice, um, you know, uh, kind of implement Kabam's visual style to it. So, right. Yeah. It, it, it's nice that we get to work on such a big, you know, such big IPs, but have a little bit of creative freedom to, uh, to kind of play around with those, you know, important characters. So how does that translate then to, if you're doing stuff that's, that's more like personal, like, like these, the, you know, the one you're doing just now, mm. um, the, cause you obviously, you maybe don't have as much, history or backstory or kind of visual reference already so is are you following the same process or is there something more unique for that or oh yeah this is um this is very much um you know the processes i use for everything work or personal personal stuff so yeah um, i do i do use a lot of uh 3d also uh but but mm-hmm. um i think I, I actually want to do a course on it but I think uh, I need to kind of tweak it how I how I use use it in my workflow a bit before. Uh, right. You know, is that uh, specifically like something like Daz? I mean, I've, I know I've been using that recently as well. Or is that are you using base models as well, just from other things? Or yeah, actually, a, a good friend of mine who uh, is uh, like a three D concept artist had a great base model, and uh, he gave me his to use, and I just kind of uh, in ZBrush, I'll just you know pose it and sculpt over it and oh uh, cool yeah. really so it's interesting yeah i mean because i think uh traditionally i mean i mean traditionally obviously you know days gone by where it's it's more now of course 3d is like the main tool set but um you know a lot of guys would draw a lot of stuff by hand especially when it comes to characters because uh maybe for ideation it might be quicker but um you know it's, it's, uh, it's yeah. all about how you know quickly you can do it and how comfortable you are and yeah and and sometimes, you know, for me, just drawing in Photoshop is a lot faster. Um, yeah, I, I'm still like, I'm still like getting used to using 3D in my workflow, so it can right. be, uh, you know, a bit of a challenge when you have a tight deadline. So, yeah. Um, 
but you know definitely in my free time i use a lot more of it uh, right yeah so. i think it's definitely going to be more the norm going forward i think like we were talking earlier about how you know like blender itself is just becoming such a powerful tool and of course you know you've got stuff like maya you've got stuff like zbrush so um at this point i think it's um i mean like i didn't get me wrong i know there's people out there who will be uh what's the word like a diehard enthusiast where they're like you know i want to draw everything by hand or i want to you know hand render everything or use paints or you know i don't want to go near 3d and i totally know those people you know that's totally fine it's whatever you feel um is your best foot forward like whatever you feel is making your work look its absolute best but um i think with modern production stuff i think especially if you're doing more studio work and less freelance um 3d is almost like it's just like a given like even we were having this talk the other day about how a lot of um digital map painters are having to become almost like 3d environment artists at this point because there's so much work they have to do now in, in 3d so um do you feel that's the same with character work do you feel that's like a you know if, although maybe you're not specifically a 2d character artist but that's like your main kind of a wheelhouse do you feel like 3d is still a thing that you should have in, in your repertoire I think it's something that you should definitely have a base understanding of at this point. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's, it's necessary. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, if particularly when it comes to film, uh, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost mandatory in film, I would say. Right. Um, yeah. uh, because I mean, you often are having to do multiple shots of the same scene and, Or, you know, you've got to quickly comp characters into, uh, you know, other scenes. And and so it it definitely speeds that process up. Um, Yeah. So, you know, uh, I I think in video games, um, there's a little more leeway. I I think the deadlines aren't as tight. So Mm. uh, you can kind of, um, you have a little more flexibility. uh, Yeah. At least that's kind of how it seems to me. I haven't, I've never worked on a film, but just knowing knowing uh, some people who do and, and seeing kind of the difference in the time. I think it's very much what you're saying, like, because even with games, you know, you, you tend to have on more of the AAA side of it, but then like, more, your average game runs like, you know, 45 years in production, yeah, whereas yeah. A, a film is like sometimes less than a year. And, you know, VFX houses obviously have to scramble to get a lot of that stuff out really quickly. So, um, I do, I mean, like I even, I remember, um, uh, watching a talk with Carla Ortiz about her process at ILM. And when she was first hired there, they were kind of like, you know, do you know how to use 3D? Uh, she was like, no, she's like, do you want to, will you be willing to learn? And she was like, no. So like, I think she kind of got away with it because at the time Carla was so established, right. She had such a, an amazing style that the studio wanted, but, I know um, like Pablo Dominguez uh, and a couple other guys at ILM are, mm-hmm. are very 3D heavy now on a lot of the stuff they've worked on because it is such a great tool for concepting really quickly. I think especially even just a random example when they worked on stuff like Captain Marvel, um, a lot of the spaceship design was primarily built out in 3D before they painted over um, mm-hmm. just to get the ideation really quick and also they could you know turn it in space and do multiple angles and stuff and open and shut the doors um so and even i think pablo at one point was doing like test animations so he was like once he built it in 3d he was then doing slight animations where he would open the doors or open the different department or compartments so that some of the the animation guys could see how the the whole thing would move and open and and work mm-hmm. in the film so i think yeah 3d at this point is uh yeah we've kind of talked about it for a long time in the podcast about how just in general 3d is now like such a 
a tool just needed for this industry. And I think, yeah, like you said, and it, it yeah. gives you a better understanding of, um, you know, lighting, depth, mm-hmm. uh, proportions, and, and understanding, Perspective, all that kind of yeah, stuff. understanding how camera angles and, and how just in general, how cameras work. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it's definitely useful. I, in college, I was horrified of 3D. I had a terrible experience um, uh, just trying to learn it. Uh, mm-hmm. and, um, and It's always off-putting, I think, as well, if you get the, the wrong kind of teacher as well. Someone's yeah, going to be not good at it, yeah. Definitely, yeah. No, it was not a great experience at all for me in college. And, right. And so I, I really stayed away from it for a long time. And um, when I got out of college... Uh, I kind of, you know, that's when I, you know, I, I knew that my, my skill sets weren't quite kind of up to par. So I took, right. uh, I took a few courses through learn squared and, mm-hmm. and just kind of bit the bullet and was like, all right, let's, let's actually just try to learn this. And yeah, and, I think uh, it's very intimidating, especially when you open it. But then I think that's the same with Photoshop, right? If you've never used it, and you opened the program for the first time, you kind of be like, oh, what the hell? But like, now that I've dealt, you know, into multiple things like Blender, Maya, and ZBrush, mm-hmm. um, it's like the 80-20 rule I talk with everybody is where like, you know, you use 20% of the buttons 80% of the time. You know, once you find like a couple of shortcuts or hotkeys that work, um, you're just constantly going back and forward between them. So, um, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean, any program is a little intimidating when you first open it up. But uh, yeah, but yeah no, um, I, I think sometimes you just need to find like, like with Learn Squared, because, because it's very, Learn Squared is very geared towards like uh, concept artists. Yeah. They dive right into what you need to know. And then the rest of the stuff that is kind of, you know, you know used for other stuff yeah um, you, you don't have to stress about learning that so you yeah. can kind of quickly uh adapt to a new program and use it in your tool set so um yeah. it was that was a much better approach for me um than than uh it was in college so uh now you know i use i use blender i use zbrush 3d coat uh key shot um so so yeah a lot of them are just so affordable now or so cheap or free it's like it's almost like crazy to think why you i mean like even i think for a long time because i just took uh just purchased uh jan urschel's uh course Mm -hmm. for blender as well that uh, focuses incorporating mega scans and for me for a long time i was like what is that why would i need to use it but um now that i've started using it i'm like wow this is a great resource that is very affordable and it has really great results definitely Um, yeah so yeah yeah, I I I really like I really like uh, Blender, especially for like Eve um, mm-hmm. or Eevee, however. Eevee, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, you can change your lighting in real time. Everything yeah, moves, it, and yeah, it's great. And I was the first time I tried it, I was like, I'm just gonna do a bunch of Blade Runner scenes now. This that's all <laughs> that's all my artwork's gonna look like at this point. Yeah, no, I think it was one of the first things when uh. I mean, uh, Max was talking about it when Kitbash launched a lot of their Neo Tokyo stuff or um, a lot of the kind of stuff that was inspired by Blade Runner and people were like, oh God, so many possibilities to, yeah, to make stuff Yeah, I was like, I'm going to get one of those 3D Bash um, city Kit uh, Bash stuff, and, yeah. uh, and then uh, just Blade Runner the hell out of everything. So. Yeah, man. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of guys who are already kind of doing a lot of that stuff and um, 
some of the guys that I definitely folk have kind of pointed me towards are basically a lot of the guys from either One Pixel Brush or mm-hmm. um, Naughty Dog who are just, um, you know, like John Sweeney and guys like that who are just yeah. like, you know, making stuff on a daily basis that just blows your tiny mind. It's yeah, like, I know. I know. It drives me crazy because it's just yeah. so good. So fucking talented, man. It, like, it, even feels the... like, it feels like there's so much to learn these days and like oh. every time you finally feel comfortable with something, someone else does something new and you're like, gosh, now like, I, oh, shit. I gotta keep, yeah. I, how do I keep up? So. Yeah, I know. But then, of course, I think it's also good to to just look at what you're doing and, and understand that you've also made great progress. And yeah. I think, especially because you specialize in one area, I think when people outside your area of expertise, like if you know, if character artists were doing stuff and, and you kind of like, oh, I know how they're achieving that effect, or mm-hmm. you know, I think it's especially when you start to learn more, you start to get to a point where, like, even you know, me trying to draw more and more these days, like now when I look at stuff. I'm kind of like I think I could draw that. Like I think I could accomplish that look with yeah. well, enough time and enough energy. I could recreate that. Um, but I think it's when people get to a point where they make something and you're like, "How? Like how? <laughs> how did you actually get something to look like that?" It's just uh, yeah, you yeah. get crazy results and then you get all bent up because I think I think because the process is hidden to you. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you're like, "Oh, how how that how could I replicate that?" But then I think once the the magic is gone and, and that is then revealed you're kind of like all right cool it seems less alien to me now so yeah yeah you know that that's i've discovered um that when you kind of get a peek behind the the creative curtain it it becomes less intimidating um yeah i you know i i haven't been to a lot a lot of workshops but mm-hmm. uh when i went to like massive black and then lightbox and stuff mm-hmm. um at first i I I remember being like, am I going to feel overwhelmed? Like, and then you start to see it and you're like, okay, like this, you know, I can do this stuff. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and that's the thing also that I just love about art so much is that there's, there's so much to learn and, mm. con- you know, you can constantly evolve. Like it, it never becomes stagnant to me. And, yeah. and I like the challenge that kind of comes with, um, this industry, you know, you yeah. really, you really have to be sharp and you got to, um, you know, keep on top of, um, you know, what's, what's being used next. out there. And yeah. yeah, like it's, it's a good thing. Um, and you know, everyone now, you know, is so open and, sh- and shares information. And, mm. uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I really love, um, you know, how kind of you know the Open art industry is. yeah works right now yeah so. i think there was a really good quote uh someone said a while back um i think it's very fit in this industry and it's that when you get to the top it's your uh duty to send the elevator back down definitely, uh, definitely. yeah i think that's why so many people especially in concept i think get any teaching because you want to pass that knowledge on because then it just like you know what you're going to do just take it to the grave and then you know, you're not getting this i mean like you want people to also be successful like you and you want people to also have the same thrill of creating characters or, or getting to work on dream projects like stuff for marvel so yeah um, everyone, why not help that everyone kind of wants to get there and they want to see other people get there too and yeah and it, and that's great um um i definitely you know remember when i was starting out you know reaching out to people and and Mm -hmm. being you know surprised by how um, kind they were yeah you know how you know they took the time to uh 
to, you know, give me some insight and, and yeah. some tips and, and, uh, you know, anytime I have someone reach out to me, you know, I always, I always try to take the time to give feedback and. Yeah. Well, it's the same even with coming on the podcast. I mean, there's, there's, there's probably for as many people as I've asked to come on, there's been plenty of people who have said no, you know, like, cause it's either not interested them or the thought it's not really been worth it to them or whatever. But, um, I'm always surprised, like, you know, when we got, uh, like Scott Robertson to come on yeah, and yeah. talk to us. Like I was blown away because Scott is like a legend in this industry. So the fact that he gave up an hour of his time to talk to me, I was just like so humbled. Yeah. Um, but then there's been people obviously on top of that that we've had on, even like when we got like Matt Rhodes at one point, it was like, holy shit. You know, there was just so many people kept coming on and on and talking to us. And um, and now, you know, 50 odd episodes later, a couple of years later, um, here we are. But then that would have been, you know, I would have had none, no progress at all on the podcast if people had just kept saying no, you know, yeah, like I'm too yeah, busy sure. or I don't, you know, because they don't have to, you don't, you know, like yourself, you don't have to give up your time. You probably have like a ton of work sitting that needs to get done or something that you want to work on. But then, um, but then, yeah, you're like, even, you know, you're giving your time for IFCC or you're giving your time for here. So um, I feel it's a very uh, key thing for yeah. artists to have is just empathy. You know, and I think, you know, art, Artists are often, I think, introverted, and it's not always necessarily because we want to be, um, yeah. but it's just the nature of of how we have to work. You know, when you're when you're yeah. focused, you can't really spend a lot of time, you know, chatting with your friends or yes, um, you know. So you spend a lot, a lot, a lot of time just kind of by yourself in your head, mm-hmm. uh, trying to hone in on your on your skills and and when we post our work, you know, that it's how, it's how we communicate to, to people and how we express ourselves. And, right. uh, you know, I think we all just want to, um, to have that, you know, our voices accepted, I guess. Um, and, and so, yeah, you know, when, you know, I've been given the opportunity to do like the class, you know, I, I was happy to do it because, mm-hmm. you know, you know, not only do I want to, you know, get my voice out there, but I want to help other people see that, oh, you know, you know, your voice is just as valid as mine. Yeah. Or, or that, you know, how I got to a place is so easy and other people can do it too, you know, and just help, right. help people along. So I think it's even try to make students understand that, um, not necessarily that it's easy, but it's, it's not as difficult as you probably think it is. Yeah, you're uh, you're not alone in it. Like there, there yeah. is a because it, it's so intimidating looking at like when you go on art station, you see all this beautiful stuff and and looking at your beautiful stuff, I'm intimidated. Holy shit, dude! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so many hours spent trying to get a, just a few pieces to look good. Yeah, but, but you have but your but your stuff is so good. Like it's just you know, and then I think that like you said, it can be intimidating for people. So. But yeah, but that's the thing, you know, you go on art station or anything and, and you see all this beautiful work and you're like, like how, like, how am I ever going to get there? And, uh, but when you, you know, you go to lectures or something and you see, like, you don't see all the, the, the work that goes in before you get to that final result. And, oh yeah, and I, and I think, um, you know, for new people, you know, introduced to the industry, it can be really intimidating first well i mean it's like um so two examples i've i've probably got funny enough they're both from korea but 
um, there's Kim Jong Ji, mm-hmm. and there's yeah, a TV Choi. I think you know Choi as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Choi and uh, Kim Jong Ji are both like almost like phenomenons at this point because they're just so talented. They've almost kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I say nowhere, but like you know, when people, you know, they're starting to get mainstream uh, notability. People are kind of like, where are these people came from? Yeah. Um, but the Korean art scene in itself is, is kind of you know there, there isn't. It's not something that we sometimes as Westerners feel a lot. Um, but then also Kim and Choi spent so many years building those foundations like absolutely rock solid solidifying that stuff until it was like you know kim talks about how you know people talk about like his drawn abilities or even choi but then they probably have like cupboards in their houses back in south korea like just fully sketchbooks um Mm. even when i I bumped in i got to meet uh, kim jong-ji at trojan horse uh two years ago oh man that was such a moment for me getting my picture taken with him and him drawing them in my book and everything um and I got to buy one of his sketchbooks. But then, yeah, like, he talked about he had an injury at the time, like a callus on his finger that was, like, so huge because he just was drawn so much that he was almost injuring his finger. And I was like, that's, like, the level. <laughs> you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, people need, yeah. I, uh, yeah, when, I, I'm a, I'm huge into, like, um, you know, Japanese and Korean mm-hmm. um, yes. uh, animation and artwork. Mm-hmm. Um and I remember coming across Kim Jong Ji uh, years ago, and mm-hmm. and I I actually sent him a message I think on like Facebook just being like you know do you have you know do you have tips or anything that yeah. you could share with me uh, yeah and like he you know I I was so grateful that he actually wrote back to me and he gave me this oh, really wow. long explanation of his process and. Oh, wow. and, oh my god that would be like gold dust at this point you could probably sell that online for something <laughs> yeah and just like how he um uh, you know you know just kind of what he did over the years to get to where he was and and uh it was i was just blown away and like wow like i really need to kick it into gear <laughs> yeah, yeah that guy he uh, well, did, did he did he say how long he was kind of like drawn or what he was doing early on um i mean he's been I, I think if I recall correctly, he's been drawing, you know, all his life. And I think his mother right. um, kind of, um, you know, excuse me if I get this wrong, but uh, I think, you know, it was his, his parents or his mother who kind of um, pushed him a lot to draw. And I think you're right there. I think his mom was an artist also. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And so mm-hmm. he, and he, he would tell, he told me in, um, in his reply that, um, you know, he, anytime he goes out, you know, he obviously uh, observes you know, mm-hmm. what is around him. And then right. he would go home and try to draw it, f- draw whatever he saw from memory, um, right. you know, without any photos or anything. And, right. and, you know, he's, he's, he's built up such a, a library uh, um, in his head that he can kind of recall to his memories and, and, right. and draw. But I mean, you know, the way I describe it makes it sound simple, but obviously, you know, yeah, he's, he's had, probably spent a lot of years just building that muscle in his brain yeah, over that, and over again. Yeah, that's a tough thing to do, and I mean, yeah, for me, like sketching, sketching is kind of sketching is kind of tough sometimes. You know, you it's it's like the um, you know the vegetables of of art to me, I guess sometimes. So you kind of right. you know it it makes you you know, everything you do is kind of based on that fundamental skills. And so mm-hmm. at times, like, you know, I struggle to like sit there and force myself to draw in a sketchbook. So, you know, what he does is, is, is just, you know, out of this, 
yeah, this world. It's crazy yeah. how good. He, Just he, the dedication, I think, and the time that they put into the subject matter is like, yeah, I think people almost, it's almost like a, you know, you're talking drawn 101 here, but even when I went to do a, a talk last year at Mulge University, um, a lot of the guys talk about like, you know, how often should you draw a week? And, you know, people say things like, you know, it's like four hours a week enough. And, you know, you're trying to give these guys a reality check of like, well, you know, if you work in a studio, you're probably going to work four hours minimum yeah. a week on projects. You know, you may be you know, drawn for every single minute of that, but a large portion of your, your day, well, you'll be you'll be drawn. So if you're drawn like four hours a week at this point, you know, when you walk into a full-time position, then that's going to be a real shock because if you draw for four hours and then want to go home, you know, your boss would be like, well, what the fuck's happening here? I'm paying you for eight hours a day. So um, it really has to be a thing where you have to embed this into like, you know, even though it seems like a cool job where you get to draw awesome superheroes and stuff, like it's still work, you know, yeah, you still for work sure. for a business, you need still to earn money. Yeah, um, I yeah. think that's the hardest thing um, that students uh, have a hard time accepting when when going into like art school is you know when you think of like drawing and video games you know you're like oh this this is going to be fun this is going to be fun yeah. and then <laughs> you get into the development of it and you realize like how much work and dedication people put into it and yeah uh you know that it's just a whole nother it's just a whole nother ballpark you know you yeah i i, I think with the another thing that i love so much about game art and film art is that mm -hmm is that it's such a it's such a passionate driven industry um yeah and and you know if, if you don't have that you know drive in you you know it, it's very difficult to to um succeed in it and yeah. and so you have to find a way to keep yourself motivated and to keep yourself pushing and which is i mean a lot of people really usually say that's what personal projects are for right it's something that yeah keeps you creatively fueled outside of your work um, Definitely. yeah i mean even the guys i know who have, have worked on you know like massive franchises or are currently now working on uh like marvel films mm -hmm. um they were drawing that stuff for fan art way back in the day and yeah. you know they had a job where they were maybe designing ads for like a magazine for something mm -hmm. or like you know for a holiday spa or something but then like eventually you know you you work enough hours, you do enough practice, then, you know, somebody eventually no notices your stuff and mm. you get that dream job. But then there's a lot of years spent early on, you know, uh, doing work that is maybe no super fulfilling as an artist. And you need to then keep that passion because that's the thing that drives you through. Like, you know, when you're an hour, like 75 in the studio and you still need to have another 10 hours of work on something, you know, that's the thing that will carry you through to the next 10 hours. Because um, yeah. then, of course, you know, you're working on, these great projects now for Marvel and, and, and other bits and pieces. But then of course you probably had a lot of jobs early on, you know, that were like, you know, designing stuff for toys or designing things that maybe weren't specifically what you wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but then those jobs got you to where you are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I actually uh, was a graphic designer uh, at like a printing company after. Same. After, yeah. <laughs> and it was the worst job ever. Like, I, uh, yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> I, I was just like, I was just making like, um, you know, menus and flyers and stuff. Oh, yeah. and it was so boring and mundane. And yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I actually got let go of the job too. And I was, I was so, Same. <laughs> okay. Okay. So 
I I was so bummed out when it happened because I was like, you know, I'm out of college. This is the only art job I could get. I'm from a small town. Like, like this was the only thing keeping me afloat. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, I don't know what I did wrong. Like I had the, you know, I was definitely qualified for the job. Mm-hmm. And then months later, I found out that the, the guy that I had replaced, I guess, um, wanted to come back. So they, they fired me and hired him back. But, but I was so, uh, distraught when when they let me go because i was like yeah. like i can't even like i can't even succeed at my own job and now i'm failing at this job so i think it's just because you, you know sometimes it's just hard to to nail in a career that early but then i think it takes a lot of failure in those places to then build uh, a repertoire for like how you as you carry yourself in work situations but like it's difficult when it's so early on because you don't know the industry super well and you don't really know how to conduct yourself or what you should be doing from day to day. So it's all a learning curve, right? But then I think also you kind of, you get used to the fact that you're going to have to work jobs that you, you kind of hate. I mean, like we yeah. talked about this a while back where I was doing a stream with Raf and he was saying that, you know, people moan about like, you know, oh, you know, I've heard certain rumors about Sony or different things that you get mistreated. Is there so much crunch? And he's like, you know, even I was like, you know, if you've ever worked at McDonald's drive through you know, like, you know, those are some of the harder jobs in the world where, you know, like the food service industry or customer service and um, especially during the pandemic, you know, like there's they, those guys were having to go to their work. So, you know, in essence, a lot of the things we get to do that are more art related are are, um, are like the, you know, the easier jobs, but something that like, you know, if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? You know, you would probably be working yeah. somewhere in like a supermarket or something to make Dude, money. I, so. I would be so screwed if I was not doing this for a living. I have, <laughs> I have no other talents. Like I, I, I do not know what I'd be doing. So I'm, I feel very lucky to be in the position I'm in. Um, yeah. You know, but I mean, yeah. this is something that I've, I've wanted to do since I was a, you know, a teenager. And I remember yeah. like coming across the, the art of star Wars books. Um, oh, yeah. and like I was already really into art at the time, but it was a lot of traditional painting and stuff. And right. And then I saw that and like, my mind was just like, I didn't know Lord. like you could do this for like, you could use art in this way. And yeah. And it like, it just kind of ate away at me. And I was like, I, I got to learn more. And I remember my parents, um, they bought me, I they, um, I convinced them to buy me, uh, an Intuos tablet and right. I, mean, I think it was like uh, Photoshop it was like CS2 or something. And, right. And uh, yeah, you know, I kind of fooled around with it for a little while uh, as like a teenager. And then right. um, eventually uh, when I was getting ready to go to college, I was like, you know, I think uh, I'm, I think I'm going to go try to do concept art. And, uh, yeah. I think it's interesting as well when a lot of people don't really know about the industry early on. I mean, I was, I'm a bit different from most people in this industry where I had another full-time job until I was like 28, mm-hmm. um, where I worked as an engineer. And then I wanted to pursue games art specifically because I was getting art books from games and watching documentaries for like kind of behind the scenes stuff where I was seeing the whole process and being like, I would love to do that. Uh, not at the time knowing like how difficult it was to to be in the industry and how much, um, how much training you really need to, to make it in some of the studios. And, uh, I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'll, I'll leave. I'll, I'll, you know, I hated my job at the time. I wanted to do something different. Yeah, and that was 
a while back now, obviously I've been through a whole degree and got my, my BA and stuff. And, nice. and But then, you know, it has probably, you know, I think by the time, because it's getting closer and closer, but I think probably by the time uh, that I get my first job, since I left my other job, it's been nearly like seven years. Um, so like it does take, like, I think people aren't really aware about like how long it can take people to get to a point where you can get paid, you know, to work and stuff. Yeah, uh, I, I think I heard that the average, um, I think, for concept artists to find a job in the industry is around seven years. Uh, yeah, something uh, like that. From the, from the time you kind of go to school or, like, leave and start taking yeah. it seriously, like, yeah. Yeah, so it, it, it's definitely... But, I mean, you know, also think about how many schools there are and how many students they churn out every year. So, yeah, um, you know, that number is quite high compared to, you know, the, avail- the availability of jobs. So, yes. Uh, and, you know, then, you know, that's, that's why pushing personal projects and picking up as many um, art-related jobs as you can mm-hmm. is important. Um because you you need to show progress so and just yeah. anything to kind of build up that resume uh, yeah. and that's 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 what i did uh after college um mm-hmm. especially since i had no connections and i was like you know the only way anyone's going to notice is if i um you know take the make time really good work yeah to just really really beef up my portfolio and it you know panned out good for me mm-hmm. but uh but yeah, and I mean, don't talk about like the nights where you're sat to like two or three in the morning, like uh, sketching stuff and so many. I mean, I still do that now, but like, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's at least now I it's because it's stuff that like I'm really enjoying doing and just, like, yeah, you want to stay up because you want something yeah, to look good I, or I don't have to. I'm not hustling anymore to try to get my get full time work and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Plus, at your job, because people don't realize that once the hustle's done and then you work somewhere like those, you know, eight hours you spend working on something during the day is still learning. You're still problem solving. You're still, you know, fulfilling a brief, you're still practicing your fundamentals. So, you know, I know artists who come home at night and they're like, Oh, you know, I really need to do another eight hours when I come home. But I'm like, you know, you're spending like 40 hours at your work. That's me. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) It's tough. But that's good. Right. Cause you're still keen to learn. I mean, yeah. And it, it is good to step away too. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, every, there's usually a night out of the week um, where I don't do any work in the evening and right. and uh, just, you know, enjoy myself, watch a movie with my wife or play video games or something. And Nice. Um, and Wait, what are you playing just now? Uh, right now I am playing, well, I'm replaying Rage 2. Uh, Ooh, just, nice. it's, it's just a fun shooter. Um, uh, but I am playing that until the last of us comes out so i gotta it's it's holding me over it's holding me cannot wait like i'm so excited i I was so pissed like weeks ago when i found out that um some asshole leaked a lot of their i've been dodging it i've been dodging those like crazy yeah yeah, yeah. i was just so angry because you like we both know like how hard those people worked on that stuff for years i'm a i'm a i love john sweeney's work and um I feel like with this one, his because uh, isn't he art directing now? I'm not 100, percent but I wouldn't okay. put it past him. I, yeah. I feel like in this one, you can see his um, influence. Yeah, you you can 
some of the shots just really remind me of how he lights and tones things. And right. Uh, I mean, I'm sure the whole art team, you know, is ha- having a great impact on it, uh, not to take yeah. away from them, but of course. Yeah. But, uh, just, uh, you know, I, I love the direction that they're going in with this one. So seems so incredible, man. That studio just went from absolute strength to strength. Um, uh, I love how gritty this story is. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, well, I mean, even the first one was extreme. Like the first, 15 minutes of that game has you like sobbing like <laughs> oh yeah that's true right now yeah, felt like oh my true. god that is true uh yeah but i just you know i like that they they are um not holding their their punches they're really swinging yeah. for it and uh yeah because their original trailer dropped and i remember people like were were so like up in arms i get about i think it's the, the one where the guys like they hang somebody and then uh oh, they yeah. hang a woman yeah and then what uh yeah, there were a bunch of articles and like some sites they would post, oh, look at this amazing trailer. And then the next day they'd post an article that was like, why are they being so violent? Blah, blah, blah. Like, what? <laughs> what? What's the pick a sign? <laughs> yeah, I've seen some movies that are worse than that stuff. I mean, so it's like, yeah, it's nothing really new. But then it's like games, I think they're getting to a point where like the graphical stuff is just not an issue anymore. Like the, everything's getting pushed. Like even because, you know, Last of Us was one of the, the last things that was big on the PS3. And then even like the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 era was like a different animal. But now with PS4 and now we're getting into PS5 territory, it's like, you know, the graphic fidelity stuff, you know, the Unreal Engine 5 stuff dropped and everybody was losing their minds. Yeah, so it's just it's going to get to a point where like graphics are really just not going to be the thing people look at, but the experience. And I think recently... I watched the Ghost of Tsushima uh, mm-hmm. reveal. Yes, yeah. Oh, Amazing. dude. Like, Amazing. See when they revealed the black and white filler at the uh, end? I, oh, I lost my shit. I, I, thought that, I thought it was genius. I thought that, oh, that was I'm a huge Akira Toriyama uh, fan. Yeah. So, and, and on top of that, a lot of the the old uh, the Seven Samurai stuff. Like, Just so. such a great vibe. Um, and I, uh, I, it, it made me think a little bit of like, uh, Westworld season two a bit. Uh, oh shit! Yeah, the Shogun stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Um, so I th- there's just a, I think just even the the, the culture seemed really incredible. Just the the whole aspect of the the game, but like there's just so much stuff coming out now that's like you're almost just spoiled. For, and then of course Cyberpunk's on its oh, way out as well. I cannot that that's wait like, for that. I cannot wait. It is. Yeah. I'm so hyped, and I can't bring myself down from the hype yeah. of that game. And we, it's funny, though, because a lot of the, the events I went to the last couple of years, because they're in Europe, right? So I, I've, I've got, like, the first the first, I think, like, four interviews I've done on the podcast were all people from CD Projekt. Mm-hmm. Um, they had just shipped The Witcher at that point, so it was a big talking point. But then, obviously, over the next couple of years, when you bumped into them again, you were like, oh, <laughs> you're yeah. rocking a cyberpunk, right? So that must be interesting. So I, um, I interviewed with them and uh, a long time ago. This was before the cyberpunk game. Uh, right. And, well, I guess I guess it had been announced, but there was, you know, the very yep. announcement, you know, obviously right. different than, the, than what it came out to be. But yeah. um, when I saw the trailer, you know, the the e3 demo that they did a few years ago kind the of gameplay stuff yeah i was like gosh dang it i i want to <laughs> take a couple hours of my life wasted in that like even the limited edition stuff oh, was coming I've, out and... i've watched it so many times i can't oh, mate. i can't get over how great it i was is. actually i'm waiting on uh because i've just started using um google stadia i don't know if you've ever heard of that but um no. the the streaming service from google where you can stream games to your computer mm. but oh, okay yeah, yeah they were getting kind of cyberpunk day and day one so 
I was like, oh, great, I'll not have to beef up my rig or, or buy any more stuff because they'll run it for me. But then um, they're not getting it. We're not getting it now till the next year for, for uh, Stadia because they're focused on like the consoles and PCs. And I think COVID's oh, okay. kind of slowed their, their whole process down at the moment. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, but no, I mean, there's, there's there's just so much coming out that's that's which is great because I think a lot of that stuff also fuels your art, right? It also definitely. You know, I, I think you know, again, like you know, uh, you know, like it's important to research and, and do uh, learn new programs. I think it's also, I think it's helpful to also look at what's out there game wise. Um, yeah, and and spending you know time you know watching a movie or or you know playing a game and right. is is helpful. Um, yeah. Not only is it, you know, an experience to do that, but it kind of just fuels that creative mind. And um, I think because it takes you to places and worlds that your imagination can't sometimes or wouldn't go normally. Um, like, I mean, I think since I was young, one of the things that fueled me was we talked about like the whole Japanese Western culture, but, mm. you know, my arms are covered in tattoos from games like Zelda and uh, Mario and all that kind of stuff. But uh, a lot of those Final Fantasy stuff, yeah, like that was yeah. like, you know, the remake came out recently. And mm. so, I mean, there's a lot of that stuff that I think has fueled me for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, I, I need to play the remake. I've, don't, this is, I've actually never played a Final Fantasy game. And, <gasps> and uh, this is, I was like, I need to get this and actually like get into the franchise because. I love the artwork. I've always loved it, but I never, yeah. I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to video games. I didn't really grow up playing them. And, um, and, uh, but by the time I, I started like fallout three was like huge for me that like, that was like right. the first game that I really like dove into. And right. I'm, a, I'm a massive fallout fan. And uh, Have you been playing 76 as well or no, I, they really, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I i was on the hype train for a long time and then yeah. when it came out and i saw how how poorly it was received i i was, I was really I bummed out because i know because i loved four like four was you know the best experience i've ever had in my life was playing fallout 4 in vr like oh yeah is that fun that was an experience and i mean like you because the vr is so it's so real now like mm -hmm. I, I felt like i was in that game and i felt like i was walking about those streets because it was so well adapted to the game like it just felt second nature like hiding around corners and lifting your guns and shooting people and um yeah. even the fact that like when you hold a sniper rifle if you bring it up to your eye like it mm. zooms and everything oh, yeah. like okay that's cool. oh it was such a good like vr for me i think especially when it comes to artwork as well like there's a whole uh slew of people now using vr for sculpting and mm. sketching and but the game stuff i think is underrated because not everybody's got the ability to get a hold of stuff like the kit and the, the headsets and stuff um, even playing like the Vader Immortal stuff, you know, the Star Wars games. Yeah. Um, yeah. Julian with Darth Vader and stuff, like it just felt so intuitive and reaching out with your hand and force pulling lightsabers towards you. Like, yeah. So good. But yeah, I think the, the art stuff is always, I mean, like, I mean, before, you know, I was even looking at like, you know, like when I left my job, one of the first books I bought, apart, one of the first art books I had was the Skyrim art book. Mm, okay. And then. On top of that, I bought Jim Lee's art book for his DC yeah. stuff at the time. Dude, which Jim was, Lee, uh, uh, I, are you a big comic book person? I wanted, That's what I wanted to be initially, was a comic book artist. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, I went through a phase where I thought I was going to do comic book art. and Same. And, uh, <laughs> and like, Greg Capula, Jim Lee. Um, oh, yeah. I think. Um, Alvin Lee, yeah. um, Kai Randolph, a couple mm -hmm. other guys. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, like Greg Capullo in particular was my favorite, and yeah, I mean, he's still one of my favorites. But but then I th- but that was the same thing. Probably the same for you, right? Is that I learned the guys worked like eight hour weeks sometimes for like yeah. maybe ten grand a year, and yeah. I was like, wow, like that's you know, it's probably why a lot of them are now in in, in animation studios because uh, you know the pays and conditions are just way better. But yeah, the stuff that I used to I used to open Jim Lee's book and be like, holy shit! Dude, like, his 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 drawings are so just solid. Like yeah, but that's so again because he come from quite a an anatomy based background because he was a med student before he was mm-hmm, yeah an yeah. artist. So yeah. 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 But then it's like, like I was saying, like even before, like a lot of that stuff came along, like um, you know, like Yoji Shinkawa and Yoshitaka Anamo, like the guys who drew like Final Fantasy and Metal mm-hmm. Gear, like those were like my heroes growing up. So and like Toriyama, obviously, who done Dragon Ball and stuff. So, um, like yeah, a lot of that stuff was was very. I mean, like if I had to have like a dream job, it would be like working on the next Zelda for Nintendo. Like that would be my dream situation working just, for those guys i just got my daughter into zelda uh we are playing uh we're playing wind waker and oh nice she is like obsessed and it's great breath of the wild for me is like the uh, i need to play it so bad i need to get a oh buddy I if you're a zelda fan i'll keep telling people that breath of the wild is not only the best zelda game i've ever played it's probably one of the best video games I've ever played in my oh, life. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it is amazing. that good. It is so... Just to the fact that you can get lost in the world. Like, they literally just give you, like, a five-minute tutorial, and then they just push you outside, and they're like, right, there you go. On you go. Do your thing. Um, and the whole game, you're basically spent just uh, finding your own way. I mean, just finding your own your own direction. So, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, worth getting into, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, and art-wise as well. Like, if you look at it, they've done a whole talk on it, uh, not too long ago about the art direction they took for the game and bringing it back to a simplistic style and because what they've done is when they they remastered uh wind waker um mm. they noticed that like the style itself was very like timeless it was very you know it could hold up in modern settings yeah. so when they built breath of the wild they were like if we'd done the same thing you know and made it a bit more simplistic looking it would it would be a style that would last it wouldn't just be a thing just now for the technology it would be something that would live forever so yeah um very very if you've not got any it's uh it's a great thing to get any the game is just incredible so um so anyway back to back to our uh, back to what we were talking about because <laughs> but it's great though because like it's great to know that there is an inspiration that's common you know because people always feel sometimes i have met a lot of artists who are like i don't play games but i work in the game industry and i'm always like slightly confused when i'm like you know why or why would you want involved in the game specifically because you know you're doing it but um yeah it's good it's good to know that that influence is there yeah yeah uh all right so with this uh with actually this this drawing that i'm doing i guess i should probably mm-hmm. explain a little bit here um, yeah um so yeah usually what you saw me do is usually how i start off with characters just like loosely trying to figure out the form and mm-hmm. the silhouette a bit so uh you know, it's very loose. It's just trying to, you know, bring what I have envisioned in my mind and just trying to get a base idea of it out. Uh, and then usually I just, uh, I, uh, you know, bring that opacity down and start refining over top of it, uh, like you see uh, here. And so I kind of just clean that line art up as much as possible. It doesn't have to be super clean, but just enough that um, the majority of my planning is done that way. I don't have to constantly go back and forth trying to like getting ahead of myself painting and then mm-hmm. going back and tweaking things. And if that doesn't work, you know, uh, you know, having to redo that. So, 
mm-hmm. um, by kind of carefully going through each step, um, you know, from beginning to end without jumping around so much, it allows me to kind of um, work a little seamlessly. So, mm-hmm. so usually this is where I, um, this is the level that I bring my line art up to. So mm-hmm. it's reading pretty good, it's still kind of messy, but you know, not too bad. And then I'll lay in like flats, just try to, just try to um, find, okay. you know, what the color palette is, where the material separations are. Mm-hmm. Like that. So uh, also this helps with like composition too. So, um, but, uh, and then, you know, rendering kind of, uh, for rendering, I always, you know, paint over top of my line art and my underpaint uh, and, and uh, I like to do a few things. So typically um, when I'm painting, honestly, my library looks massive, but I use like all of I was going to say there's, yeah, there's like a lot of brushes there. Yeah, I use all of like five, honestly. Yay. <laughs> I really got to get rid of a bunch of these. I don't know why. Yay. I, I hoard them. I'm a brush hoarder. So. No, I'm the, I'm, I was the same, but then I've, I've kind of narrowed down to about like, maybe five or six yeah yeah i gotta get rid of some of them but yeah like when it comes to my brushes i love like using wet edges um okay kind of you know that overlap kind of allows you to to build up your tones and mix and mix um okay nicely and 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 wet edges kind of it's almost like a watercolor effect so it's it's hard to see but there's like a there's like a harder edge to it. Uh, and then the center is, is transparent. That kind of gives it nice, like a uh, sharp uh, texture to it. So, right. Uh, so I like to use that to kind of put the way to blend and then using transfer. Also, sometimes I'll use it that in combo just to right. nicely uh, blend those together. So, uh, so yeah, um, I'll kind of just render this to, this is kind of where I'm at with this piece now, just building up right. those shadows and mm-hmm. tones and highlights. So, yeah. And then, that, and then the rest of it's just basically just kind of rendering each individual piece yeah. to the maximum quality. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to just spend some time now just painting this up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So then with this, with this like stuff you're doing just now and then a lot of the stuff you've done recently, I definitely feel like there is a whole, you know, we were just talking about it earlier about that whole cyberpunk feel. Do you feel that that's like, and you know, we talked about earlier the whole Blade Runner thing you wanted to make up. Is that like one of your biggest influences? Do you think that's like one of the things that you draw a lot and you do a lot of personal art? Yeah, you know, I I really like, uh, um, you know, the cyberpunk theme aesthetics, and and mm-hmm. I'm also like uh, mixing it with kind of a tribal. Uh, theme almost or like a post-apocalyptic right. blend to it but right. um, uh you know calling back to like fallout and stuff so yeah, it, yeah. It kind of I, i've realized that the more i kind of rely on my taste the more that i get out of my own style and right and and i've i've kind of learned to not stress about what other people are you know doing or what tools they're using and right and and since then it's just helped me to kind of um, discover my taste. And right. I, think, I think that's kind of something every artist goes through, you know, mm-hmm. you spend, it's good to, to watch what other artists do 
And as you kind of develop as an artist, you, um, you, you figure out what you like and what you don't. And then, you know, um, in combination with like your fundamental skills and your taste, you, you begin to develop your personal style. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of these things where you try to just draw from, uh, from multiple from, from multiple sources, I think that's when people talk about, uh, especially students, when they talk about how, like how you know, one of the most common questions is how do you develop your style? And I think it's definitely just a mix of everything in your life experience. You know, like the games you play, the media you consume, the people you hang about with, the stuff you look at day to day. You know, the things you paint or study from. Everything in a small measure is building that overall picture of mm. how you see the world, and then eventually it culminates into, you know, like how you paint arms or legs or how you mm. paint guns or belts or human faces. Like, you know, there might be specific artists that do it a certain way that's caught your eye and you've been like, all right, great, I, I want to try this the next time. And then eventually when you make stuff, you're like, oh, cool. Like, it looks like it looks like me. Like, if somebody looked at your art, you know, you would be like, oh, you know, you drew that. That was, that was his drawing. That was his style. So, um, yeah, I think it's a very common thing for people to build up a a style um yeah yeah. it's good to experiment and just uh mess around with different uh different styles Um, Mm -hmm. i i have always leaned a little more towards realism and lately i find myself like trying to figure out how to approach things in a little more uh simplified way and and relying more on like um you know my brush strokes and letting things kind of um stay as is without over polishing everything yeah more kind of stylized simplistic yeah, drawn back yeah. looks just letting like the brush strokes kind of speak um a bit so yeah i think i've definitely seen that in a lot of the the cyberpunk concept stuff that has leaked um when you compare it to stuff like the previous project they worked on which was the witcher um it definitely seems more stylized more simplistic more um big shapes less detail um, which was really actually great the other week because I got an alert um, from Amazon that the the art book for Cyberpunk comes out next month. So I'm like, oh, oh does it? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, they're actually going to release it on the same date the game is going to come out, but the game's not coming out until September now. So Ooh, I'm a little um, surprised they're uh, going to release it before. Before September? Well, I meant that they're going to release the art book before the... All right. Okay. Yeah. The, the publisher had a deal, I think, with a book that it was going to come out uh, at a certain time. And I think the... The emphasis was that it wouldn't affect sales of the game, so they were fine for them to sure. release. It would probably build hype and and more than anything. So, um, but then there's like a there's like an eighty dollar version that's like a limited edition one that's got like uh, what tons of extra prints. Yeah, there's like a cyberpunk limited edition art book. Oh, um, I know. Oh, no. There's also there's also a limited edition Last of Us two book as well that's coming out. So yeah, I'm uh, <sighs> it. So I need to buy a new shelf. I've not enough space for all these books. I I had all. Uh, books at, at work and since right. since the pandemic obviously we've all been working from home and oh, okay i i just emailed uh emailed them uh friday i was like hey can uh you guys like mail me my books because i missed them <laughs> so being separated from like some of your kids or something it's like yeah, it's crazy I, how i have like two shelves filled with books and they're all at work and Oh, buddy, I had like a whole like top to you know floor to ceiling bookcase wow. at one point, and it was just full of stuff. Um, even when I went to Lightbox, I bought like a lot of books from people that I'd, I only got a chance to see when I was there, like uh, Tony Bancroft and John Polidori and 
all those kind of guys. So um, yeah, that, that was a much artwork. Yeah, so good. Um, but yeah, the whole cyberpunk artwork thing's getting me going. I mean, like the there's a few like key books in my shelf that I think are like the go-to. One of them's like the Art of Blizzard or Overwatch, um, and then the other ones are like uh, like I have a God of War book from God of War Ascension. Yeah, yeah. Um, that uh, Cecil Kim put out just before he left Santa Monica, and like they're so rare now because only made so many before the company went bust. So like I think that book goes for like nearly a thousand dollars now online. Um, but I found it in like a charity shop for like fifty bucks. Oh, so nice. yeah, it's one of my, my prized possessions. But yeah, I think art books in general are just all these things you can go to that are constant inspiration. That are things that fuel your painting or fuel you know how you see different things, but um yeah they're just like ah, oh, they're, they're so good some of the, like i can say that's the, some of the early stuff that got me into uh drawing and painting like hardcore was like looking at a lot of those books mm-hmm. like skyrim especially like the whole skyrim book is like which is also really rare as well because that only came with um the limited edition game so um and it's like leather bound and stuff but like some of the, the artwork in that was just like so good yeah yeah i uh i did you get the the one the art book for fallout 4 Yes, and it's like a mammoth. It's like six hundred pages or something. Best book I've ever gotten. <laughs> oh, buddy, like that is just, that's a you could kill somebody with that book. That book is heavy. And then I just got well, not I got a uh, last year. The favorite, my favorite book that I got was the the complete uh, collector's edition of um, the Metal Gear games. Oh, me too. With the two books and yeah. the the thing, the folder. Yeah, that was. I great. think. Oh, that's one of my like, and then uh, I have like all the the Zelda books, basically like the the encyclopedia, the compendium, and then like the Breath of the Wild art book. Um, oh, just so much good stuff in there, like uh, so many amazing drawings, and that was one of the highlights definitely from THU 2018. Was uh, they got one of the artists? I forget the guy's name specifically, but he was one of the key artists on the final fantasy 15 team yeah. um and seeing some of his process and how he painted and stuff it was so beautiful some of his stuff um but yeah there's it, it is good one of these things when you bring inspiration not just from like what's sitting on your screen most days like but the ability to actually physically sit with a book and open up and really delve in it because like you only get so much online like you get almost just like a taste of like what they've done on the project mm-hmm. but then with the art books like they really just let it all just hang out they fill pages and pages of drawings and uh and like you said the metal gear thing the two book thing like oh yeah my God. the Yoji Shinkawa just like blows my mind every time about how and it's funny when he gets interviewed and he talks about like almost like he's like no important to the franchise he's like oh you know i drew some stuff and that ah, turned out okay but like you know i remember the interviewer was being like but you're Yoji Shinkawa you must realize how important your art is to the world but then again it's like the humble brag for a lot of the artists it's like you don't really see yourself as like the superstar you just see yourself as like you know a cog in the wheel where you know you're just helping the team and it's a team effort um yeah you know, and, I, and i don't even know if you know anyone really wants i don't think it's for any artist really about the fame it's more just about yeah um, you know being able to find your niche and and hope yeah. that, that you know speaks to someone out there so yeah yeah which is the greatest compliment if somebody's like oh man your work you know inspire me to do this or like um even when i get guys you know messaging me about the podcast and be like i think years ago was it last year or the year before there was like a a 19 year old girl was like 
like oh i'm actually i'm going to actually go to art school because of your podcast i was like oh wow that's awesome like wow so like yeah no the fame or anything but the fact that i'd help somebody you know yeah exactly exactly yeah no um it's good to know every once in a while that that what you're doing um is making a difference you know yeah inspired someone to to do something too yeah is that a, is there anybody who you still look up to like an art hero is there people that like artists specifically that you still you know we talked about about kim jong and and, and a couple of the guys you know the kind of the japanese guys or, or whatever but is there anybody like a kind of maybe hit list of people that you still draw like a lot of like hardcore inspiration from or um um hmm. yeah i uh you know i like a lot of the the artwork that comes out of respawn uh, a lot uh, right i li- you know, seeing the sort of the work that was done for Titanfall and Apex Legends. Um, yeah. They have some really... And Fallen Order as well, like the Star yeah, Wars game. Yeah, was, it was, was a really good. great game, great game. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, I'm a, uh, uh, I'm a big Six More Vodka fan. He, the, those, uh, yeah. those guys are, you know... That's as a we stack, all are. Yeah, those guys, <laughs> that's a stacked studio. Those artists are all yeah. very talented. That's the elite of concept artists right there. That's yeah, the yeah. Best so, of the best. Uh, yeah, you know... Uh, um yeah and then you know it's a tough question because you probably don't think about this stuff every day right yeah you know you kind of the more you get into the industry the more you kind of you kind of just you you learn to appreciate um everyone's work for what it is so you know right um but yeah so so is there any kind of dream studios that you you think you would want to try and work on a project at one point? Like, like you talked about, you know, Respawn and Apex and stuff a, a couple of times. And I know you've done a, uh, like one of the first, I, I never even say this to you, but one of the first pieces I actually ever saw yours was uh, the Death Stranding inspired, you oh, know, yeah. the Skull guy that you done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So uh, is that like, is, is Kojima like in Respawn, like some of your, your kind of accolades you'd love to try and get in here? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like, I like that near future sci-fi tech kind of look so right it would be yeah. fun to work on uh on something like that for sure makes a lot of sense especially with the way i think their standing was received because it almost felt like it was a mixed bag but when you really look back on it like there was so many people that were like just blown away with how incredible that game was and mm-hmm. um i think even just like the art style the story the way it was all just put together it was like such an amazing project and i think it was great because I think he did open his studio up. Unlike a lot of Japanese studios, he did open it up to a lot of Westerners to work on the project. So, because um, even like, you know, we were talking about earlier, like my dream project would be, you know, working at Nintendo on the next Zelda game. But yeah. um, they recently, I think in the last six months, they had a position open for the new Zelda game. Um, but some of the specifics were like, you had to live in uh, the Kyoto area and you had to speak fluent Japanese. So it's like, you would really be looking for, a, I think they're really looking for a lot of local residents of, of Japan, um, which sucks sometimes because I know, you know there's so many Westerners, Westerners I know that would love to work on mm-hmm. some of those projects. But I think in Japan, one of the biggest studios that takes on a lot of Westerners is um, Square Enix. They, they oh, tend to yeah, have a, yeah. a they, mixed bag of people. And I believe, don't they, I think they have a studio in in montreal so I think they do, yeah. I think they have something in Canada. I'm pretty sure they do. Um, although I don't know specifically what games they work on there um um but probably yeah they probably would have their hand in working some of the final fantasy stuff for yeah some of the bigger franchises but um but yeah i think it's it's always like these bigger studios is like a dream for a lot of people especially like respawn because 
um, that whole studio was kind of rose from the ashes of of Infinity Ward when they disbanded and mm-hmm. you know Jason West and Vince Ampella you know when they kind of founded that studio was a big talking point at the time um, and they've done great things since then so um, like you said Fallen Order was like uh, such a great accomplishment yeah yeah they apparently they were like working on on that game before even uh um before working on titanfall oh uh, wow really they just they had they had like a small uh number of people working on it and then uh like I, a whole I pre-production I, thing yeah and i guess it eventually got greenlit or something i, I believe right. that was the case i think i watched the uh, the watched, documentary yeah i watched a documentary yeah. on it and i think they had mentioned that in there so yeah i can never mind if it was specifically um because i know i had a friend that worked at visceral okay who who were working on um was it thirteen thirteen at the time and oh, then yeah. when when that got canned i think that became fallen order Oh. I think I think that may have been. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think that was like, somebody probably correct me in the comments. But um, and then I think that transferred to respawn mm. um, early on. But then I, I I don't know the specifics. But yeah, but whatever the case was, they done an amazing job. But it was it was one of the. I think for me, it was one of the best Star Wars stories. I think, and I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Like I'm an absolute Star yeah, Wars nut. Too. So um, cover again covered in tattoos for Star Wars. But um, yeah, like. Uh, that story was really well done, I think, and the whole game was really well presented. Um, like the combat and everything, it was just a whole kind of package for me. It felt really good. So, yeah. Um, which was interesting for Respawn because they hadn't at that time really done anything like that specifically. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was a really good success story for them to to come back out and be like, check what we can do. So, Especially after there have been so many, you know, promising Star Wars games that never, uh, you know, came yeah. Out. So it was I great know. to see, uh, a studio that, um, you know, um, you know, still didn't have a ton of, you know, major IPs under their belt kind of come out swinging with that one. And they did such a great job with it. I mean, yeah, not not saying that they're a small studio or anything, but you know, no, no, no. I think compared to other studios. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, you know, they were still fairly, um, you know, some of their projects were still pretty fresh. So, yeah yeah so i i was ecstatic when i saw uh saw that game come out of there so nice did you, you were just using oh no on you go did you sit in on the 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 respawn panel at uh lightbox last year no i know unfortunately it was a it was a case where i tried to get to a lot of stuff but um i think i just had so much time just talking to people and mm-hmm. you know catching up and meeting people i hadn't met before and then you know a couple of times i had to help Rafi's table if he was if he was going to a panel or he was doing stuff so yeah um yeah i was just i was just going to quickly ask you about this tool you're using because i don't think i've ever seen this in photoshop oh, this uh, is a uh, uh, tool. yeah this is a uh, lazy nizumi it's just a little plug-in it's like 30 bucks i think and right you know they give you constant updates but it uh it's basically like has just a bunch of useful like drafting tools um, and sometimes I'm very picky and very, I need to be precise, otherwise I'm right. So yeah, it's just, um, it's just really useful. And like, uh, let's see, um, you know, there's even like perspective grids and stuff in here. So, right. If you want to get the actual, you know, bang on like diehard lines that are in the right perspective and just lots and lots of useful. Stuff like this, so um, 
Lazy Ninja. I'll need to remember that one. That looks like a really interesting tool. Yeah, I love it. So it's a it's a very uh, useful tool. Fantastic. Um, so again, at this point, with a lot of your design kind of silhouette done uh, for this character, is this just a case of rendering now, or are you still yeah, figuring some stuff yeah, out? This or? Is, Everything I I have everything down. I know where this is going at this point. So right at this point, I'm just honing it all honing it all down to uh, you know a yeah. nice neat polish. So. Where do you? Because this would be something for me as well that I recently, when I was doing my most recent painting, um, was about the thing I felt I lacked especially was was material rendering, um, like specifically like steel, clay, stone, like getting that to look like accurate. How did you kind of approach material rendering? when you were studying a lot of that stuff, was it just copying or? Yeah. You know, lots of like little, you know, studies and then, um, you know, lighting, lighting is really what sells it. So for me, right. at least, you know, understanding, you know, how light, um, you know, kind of reflects on metal versus, you know, clothing Wood and, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just kind of familiarizing yourself with those and, and like, right. I mean, you, you can see like my technique between the clothing or like the metal on this arm is really the same, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's just those minor little details, added details that kind of, uh, pop out. Yeah. will help push your idea a little bit more. So, yeah, I just kind I of want to indicate like what's going on. It's, you know, yeah, this isn't I mean, really I love... what like metal looks like, but it's enough detail and enough of, uh, you know, it, it, it imitates you know how metal would reflect just enough to kind of give that idea yeah yeah i was going to say like your your whole arm like looks like it's it's really well thought out just like the mechanics of it i feel like something also that that takes a lot of time to study is just like if you were building a cybernetic arm like how that would fit together like mm-hmm. you know where the pipes would go where the joints would hinge what parts would be covered which wouldn't um like i feel that's a whole design process in itself right it's a whole thing of like figuring that's that is that also something that you spend time is that you know is that research from like just just observing playing games or something or have you really looked into mechanics of arms or yeah you know i i have like a pinterest board that i save of just like hard surface details um and so uh you know over time i've i've built up a you know just studying those details or like photo bashing them in like i I've right. begun to have a an idea of how mechanical pieces kind of fit together. So right. Um, so yeah, it's it's helpful. And actually, actually for um, like this area, uh, mm-hmm. let's see if I have it. Um, so you know, here are like my photos that this is like my mood board basically. Uh, oh, okay, interesting. But, yeah, yeah. So um, so. Often, like, I try to, like, paint everything to about, like, you know, 80%. And so when I get kind of lost a little bit or I just can't quite get over the hump when, like, designing something, I'll, you know, bring in a photo like this. Um, and, and well, there's no color here, so I don't need to take that out. But, um, you know, I like to just boost the contrast almost so that it kind of, it almost reads like line art. Okay. And then um, I'll just, you know, put that on like a multiply, and and basically, ah, okay, right. And basically, just uh, you know, put it in over top of my 
my design and and that way uh you know this way because the thing the problem that i have with photo bashing is that it takes away from your your visual like uh, your creative language when it comes to like your brush strokes and everything so but using photos can be helpful obviously when like pulling minor details so when Mm -hmm. i like get some you know ideas going uh you know that's when i'll do this to kind of just get some information that i can start kind of build off of so right yeah that this way like i don't lose any um you know i i don't lose my uh the brush the brush quality and stuff. right yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's no really overlapping and making it very jarring to look at or anything yeah exactly so this is kind of how like i will approach things so like this elbow area kind of mm. i was painting this on earlier uh like back here you know yeah. it looks a little different here and right and i was like well like this looks cool but it doesn't really you know this doesn't look functional to me. So right. I was like, I gotta like rework this a bit. So I went right. back and, and kind of when that happens, that's when I like to like use photos occasionally and, and rework. I've got two questions for you, which is, which will maybe be interesting or life changing for you, but are you using something called pure ref at all? No, no. Oh God. <laughs> pure ref is a game changer. It's like, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an app developed by an artist, but it's, um, you basically, um, you basically download the program and then fire photographs in it and then set the window to kind of always on top. And what you do is you can overlay it on your, your Photoshop file and just flick through your reference. Um, and it always stays on top. So if you're drawing something, you can, you know, you can constantly pull for, I mean, like at this point you might not need to use it, but um, a lot of the guys I know where I got it from originally was a lot of guys using the ILM and it's, um, you know, they'll fire the reference into this, you know, you can just, you can just like grab up like 50 photos and fire it into the file and then just flick through them and have them just on top all the time so you can pull from Dude, um, okay yeah i need to i need to look into that then I'll, I'll send you links yeah. also there's a really good chrome extension called pin down yeah. um that raf told me about and basically what happens is when you go on pinterest when you search things say like hard surface design for example mm-hmm. rather than searching pins you can search boards or you can do either but like if you go to boards and there's like maybe like a, i don't know a board with like a thousand pins uh pin down is an extension where if you click a button it just downloads all those photos into one folder mm-hmm. oh, okay so i so i just use that for like if i like, like a basic like stuff in like 50 photos and then i just use one click and it just gives me all the photos on my hard disk and then i throw them into uh pure ref and then flick Dude, through them yeah so. definitely send me this because uh you know i just have like folders and folders and fold- it's like folder exception for me you know just- yeah, yeah there's a I know a lot of people sometimes do the thing where they drag a photo into Photoshop and make it its own window and then size it down and stuff. But um, yeah, yeah. Pure been a, a game changer, I think, for a lot of artists recently because especially the fact that it just like, always stays on top. So no matter how much you're painting, you can just keep looking back into the photo and then use your left and right keys to flick through photos and, and get another bit of reference. So Okay, yeah, um, no, that, would, that sounds useful. Yes, very good app. Um, so yeah, so for, for you now, like, you know, like we talked about, you know, your early career and a lot of things you've done and of course now what you're doing uh with the studio so what's like some of your future goals i mean i know you've probably maybe done one of them with doing the course for iscc um do you do you also have an art book or is that something else you want to do or um you know it's funny you mentioned that uh yeah actually like uh 
we were talking about earlier about how like I base all my recent work is based off an idea and mm-hmm. I would love to do a book with this idea. Um, right. I have, I have story beats plotted out and that I kind of want right. to illustrate and kind of present it as like more of like a, um, like a pitch basically, but it will be right. like an art book of this, this idea that I've expanded upon. And, right. And, uh, you know, I, whether this happens one day or not, I don't know, but that's, right. that's what I would like to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also one of these things where you're trying to balance, like, you know, I mean, from the sounds of it tonight, it sounds like you've got a young family in the background. So yeah, yeah. you have to balance that and then your full-time work and thinking about your next step. And so, yeah, there's a lot of things you always want to do, but then of course time and money and, you know, opportunities. So um, yeah, there's a, always, always make, makes me, a bit envious when I see a lot of these guys who are, you know, like they have like three or four art books out or, you know, oh, they yeah. have me too, me too. so I, many tutorials and stuff. And I want to do it so bad, but, uh, yeah. Right. And then like, I've been freelancing a lot more recently. So, uh, right. You know, sometimes that kind of puts, so things. you're, so you're doing work outside of just the studio stuff you're doing as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So is that, is that also like game related, similar to kind of stuff you're doing at the studio or is it a lot different or, uh, it, yeah, more game related stuff usually. Cool, cool. So, I mean, is is that a, a, so? Your, I mean, your weeks are pretty packed, right? You're you're kind of you're full time in the studio, however many hours a week, and then you're coming home at night and you're freelancing, and then try to get some time with the kids and and the family. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. My my days usually are like you know I get up and start working around like nine, and then I work till about like five or six, and then. Right. Uh, you know, spend the evening with the family, doing that, and then around like eight thirty, nine ish, I get back to it, and I start working. You know, probably to like anywhere between like midnight or two in the morning. So, oh wow, yeah, <laughs> that's good to be brutal with, a, with like a young family as well, because you know, the kids will be up at like you know crazy hours and stuff for yeah. first thing in the morning. So, yeah, you know, um, my my daughter was born right before I got out of college. So, um, right that's when I knew that I really like, I really oh, did. So, yeah. Yeah. Like if, if this was going to be a viable career and I was going to be able to, <laughs> that uh, was the time. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, have a living doing this, um, yeah. provide for my family that I really needed to step it up. And, yeah. and, uh, but yeah, no, my, my, uh, uh, my daughter, it was kind of a, was a big push for me to, um, yeah get my you know self together and and uh, yeah make it hone, serious about what you were doing yeah yeah just hone in on my skills and you know i'm i feel fortunate that i've been able to make a living doing this and that people yeah, are interested to, in what i'm doing so yeah i think it's a very driving motivating factor in a lot of people's life is like um you know having a young family or kids or the need to provide for somebody it's always something that's at the back of your mind and something that you need to think about um if you're going to have a family that you know you're going to make sure that you've got something that's viable that's going to be able to yeah. stay in a mortgage or, or have a career with so yeah. um is that is that a thing where um like would you eventually want your kids to get any art do you think that she would want to be an artist also or she you know it's funny she uh this morning um uh she told me she wanted to be an illustrator for books and we going back to uh going back to uh to zelda she's right she's very into zelda right now and good 
and she, uh, I printed out a bunch of, uh, you know, black and white, uh, oh, the color and stuff, yeah, coloring stuff yeah, of yeah. Zelda, uh, of just for her. And she was so excited when she saw that. And she, she normally, um, normally she doesn't really gravitate towards art. Um, and I don't get pushy about it cause I want her to dis- discover it on her own and enjoy of course, it. Yeah. Uh, because obviously, you know, since it's something I do, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to force it on her and right. Um, but, uh, so this past week I printed out these pictures and she went crazy just coloring these in. And, and, uh, this morning I woke up, she had gone up early and had like stapled them together and like written like, out a story in them and, <laughs> and to show me. And, and she was like, I think I want to, you know, be an illustrator. And it, oh. it was, uh, it was really awesome. I was really excited. So oh, that's good. I think it's also interesting because I think as a parent, you want to try and pass on some kind of knowledge or, or help them grow as people because you want to see them succeed in life. And yeah, you're always like, you know, if they want to do something that you're not directly involved in, then you're almost like, well, how do I facilitate that help? How do I, help them grow but then when it's art related or it's something you're already doing you're like oh great well i know already like you know how to help them in that area like i've got some idea of like things they could do or places they could you know learn um i know when we interviewed scott robertson uh almost i think was it nearly three years ago two years ago now um scott talked about how his dad, I think, I'm remembering it specifically, but I think he was an architect. Oh, yeah. And he would make Scott and his brother, like, fill a sketchbook, like, every month. Like, he would hand them a sketchbook and be like, draw, you know, make stuff. Yeah. Um, I can never mind if he talked about it, if it was, like, almost forced, but I know that he says, like, you know, without that kind of training early on, like, it would have been difficult to find his feet in the art world later in life. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, my parents were always very supportive of me being in the arts. Um, right. My, neither of my parents are really artistic, but um, mm-hmm. but they they definitely when I showed an interest, they they put me in art classes. Um, they put me in painting classes. And, right. And when I you know was interested in going to college for animation and stuff, they you know helped me out with that. So. Uh, yeah oh that's good i mean yeah. i think especially when i've met a lot of artists in my life it's always a mixed bag like you either get the like it's almost just two extremes like either they had no idea and were horrified that you wanted to be an artist or you know they were like oh great and you know if you want to do that that's fine and we'll help support you and stuff so yeah um, yeah it's definitely a mixed bag i think that that um that uh stigma is going away though now with the popularity of video games at this point um yeah like it, it and blows, movies and comics and, yeah, yeah it blows my mind that people make a living off of playing video games right now <laughs> oh like, yeah like twitch and stuff uh, or it, esports and it's so crazy to me like i mean yeah. it's great for the industry but yeah, yeah. Like, like i never would have imagined like like there being sports teams and, and based on you know, uh, you know games and that you know League sponsor- Legends and stuff like yeah, that, they're sponsoring yeah. and they're making millions of dollars. That's like even for a lot of people who make either like uh, League of Legends style games or like the Counter Strike stuff. Mm-hmm. If they're making things like that, the esports component is like such a major thing for them now because. Uh, I remember when I played Rainbow Six Siege back in the day, mm. like even in its first incarnations, like it was, it was, it was a strange concept. I think the five on five thing, but it was interesting how they they posed it. And then 
to almost thrive that community back into existence. Um, the whole esports thing was built out of that because they started hosting tournaments and getting people involved. And, um, and I think it's like a it's becoming more of a major factor now in games is like how can we market a sport out of this or how can we maintain you know the longevity of playing this game for months and months what's going to keep people coming back and i think this is definitely a factor so they're even talking about because of the pandemic you know like you couldn't have regular sports so people were like turning in to like you know esports enthusiasts because it was the only way they could really get that fix right because uh Mm. there was no football there was no soccer whatever so people had to start thinking like outside the box of like how are we going to get our fix on you know Mm-hmm. uh sports or 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 tournaments or anything like that so the esports crowd were getting more and more popular basically for sure yeah no it's uh this whole uh i think like video games are up like 30 percent uh this year just because of uh you know the pandemic and everything so yeah um, i mean you look at the money they bring in compared to hollywood it's like oh yeah it's almost 10 to, i mean we are where we are in scotland you know down the road we have um rockstar games and uh okay. they are responsible yeah, yeah. for for grand theft auto and you know gta 5 is still the most successful entertainment thing ever i know, you know it's crazy <laughs> what, what that game has done yeah so much money like i think at this point they've got a license to print money they just have so much cash because uh, uh you know the money away. they've I'm blown away by what Riot has done. I mean, they've survived off of oh, yeah. one game for so long. and uh, Yeah, and now they're expanding in the whole... Yeah. Like, my, my buddy who... When I went to Riot, uh, Lydia, shout out Lydia, um, she's an environment artist there, and she couldn't... At the t- when I was even there back in September, she couldn't talk about the project she was working on, but it was Valorant, so it was the the Counter-Strike first-person shooter kind of mm-hmm. uh, thing they've built in there. Uh but then, yeah, like they've they've done such amazing work with that now, and then I love you know, the art got... style for that game. Oh yeah, I mean, like one of the guys, um, Hycham, like uh, I think I'm butchering his name, but he was one of the lead character guys there as well. And some of the stuff they were doing, um, they kind of got a sneak peek at, at Lightbox. It was like it was so incredible. Um, but then it was funny when I when I when I talked to them, we were just kind of sitting having lunch in the in the quad, and and uh, and Bright's so incredible. But like. Um, they were talking about like, oh, what games are you playing recently? And I was like, um, you know, I kind of jumped between Rainbow Six Siege and Overwatch. And then they were kind of like, oh yeah, I think uh, what we're working on at the moment might interest you. Then I was like, oh, okay. So and then uh-huh. you look at Val, you look at Valorant now, and you're like, all right, I can I can see where they were going with that. So yeah, yeah, no, I I love the artwork of it. I hope there's an art book for it. If uh... yeah, I was always wondering that as well because it's one of these things where I know a lot of you know, like when a game has a release, it gets an art book, but then this was like uh it's one of these persistent online worlds where it will change and i'm wondering because it took overwatch i think a couple of years to get something out book wise because that book so fast when the overwatch one came out oh buddy i've got the limited edition the big bad one with the prints and stuff yeah um, you okay yeah i i have just the 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 regular one but um mm-hmm. but yeah no i i love i love the aesthetic behind uh, overwatch yeah it was so i think especially for blizzard fresh at the time yeah, I was like, remember what a movie with the after these shorts. I was like, just maybe. oh yeah, yeah. Like every time, remember when we were getting uh, David Long? Shout out to David. Um, when we were at Blizzard, when we were getting a tour. They were talking about the Overwatch cinematics because he's David's on the cinematic team, and he was saying about you know they've tried to basically that's what they're trying to do is make these short Pixar style films with every release that covers some kind of topic, um, whether it's loss or 
you know, brotherhood or, or whatever, um, PTSD, like the, the Bastion short. Um, but then everything they've done so far, I've, I've tried the, the latest one they've done that came out. I can't even, th- it might have been the, oh, it was Overwatch 2 reveal. It was the trailer for that. So, okay. Um, but yeah, when they fight the massive big robot in Paris, but like it's, uh, but yeah, their shorts are, I think one of my favorites still to this day is um, the, oh God, it's the, the one that takes place in Mexico where Soldier oh, 76 uh, yeah, yeah, takes yeah. on the gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I like, um, I like Bastions a lot. Um, yeah. I liked, uh, I like Diva. I, I know that's such a, yeah. That feels like a uh, the go to for a lot of people, but I really like Diva. Oh yeah, I love Diva as well. Like Hannah's my she's my my waifu. A hundred percent. Is like I'm a big fan of a lot of games, but that you, that I don't even really play. And uh, yeah, I always buy like the artwork of and like. I'm like, still. I, I love yeah. I love the aesthetic and you know. But I get wrecked in Overwatch. I cannot play it at yeah, all. Yeah, I can. I can kind of hold them on. I'm not terrible, but yeah, there's some guys in there that are just so good. But I'm still saving up for that. Um, they have a diva statue in the Blizzard store. Oh yeah, it's like you can buy it. It's like almost two foot tall, but it's like her sitting on her mech. Nice. Um, and I'm like, it's like 400 bucks or something. I'm like desperate to get it. So, um, but for the moment, it's just for anything with mechs. And I'm like, all right, I'm in. You got me. Oh yeah. It's funny though because I only have a couple of like half decent. I've not really had time the last couple of years because I've been working as a student. I've not got a full time job anymore, but um, I have a couple of statues on my desk. But the best one is when I was helping Raph at Lightbox. He gave me one of his his Nova statues that he'd made. Oh, buddy, sits sits next to my desk every night now, and I'm like, oh, such a good wee statue. So, um, yeah. Um, So I mean, like, well, I think what we'll do is uh, we can kind of hit it on the head here and and. Um, maybe maybe come back to this as like a two part, or we can maybe revisit this, or come and do another character or something. But um, I think we've got a general aesthetic about where you're going and how you've kind of accomplished this. And yeah, where, yeah, we need it up more. It's just uh, you know, I'm kind of just uh, you know, it's just noodling away at this point. So I think a lot of character stuff, or even just paintings in general, that is the aesthetic, right? Is that you will probably spell, spend a good initial period building that shape language up in those silhouettes and then mm. after that it's just materials lighting you know yeah building. You know, that's that's always the thing that's funny because um often I, I get a lot of questions about like my rendering and like how 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 do you do that or mm-hmm. is this a 3d model sometimes i get people ask me if i use 3d and right and you know it's Obviously, you know you've you've been sitting here watching me draw for a little bit, but you know it's yeah, it's just that repetitive, you know, um, you know, nature of building up your colors um, mm-hmm. with every brushstroke and and right. uh, adding those little hints of lighting and stuff. So mm-hmm. you know, and voila, easy peasy, yeah. <laughs> just like that. So simple, um, but yeah, no, I think it is one of these things we were if you're so good at something, sometimes people always want to take something away from you in some respects and be like, oh, you know, you use photos or, oh, you know, it's 3D and they've posed it. And, yeah. Um, I, th- I think to almost make them feel better about the process that they're not wanting to find it something like, you know, oh, I just render this all by hand because then you're kind of like, oh, how did you do that? But um, like we were talking about earlier, like breaking down the process, but I think like you said, it's just having the the time to noodle away at something and, and just make it, extra shiny in certain parts so it's just about um, being self-motivated and, and just pushing yourself to uh 
to you know um, get to that final result. Yeah. 100% agree. Um, so yeah, I mean, if anybody's stuck about for this long, uh, thanks for, for, for tuning in and listening to me and Jude talk. I mean, I know we, we deviated slightly about some game stuff, but then again, you know, it's, it's one of our, for me and I think, and for you, one of our bigger influences in the industry. And um, I think it's good to have that stuff as well, because it also fuels your passion. So yeah, if you have um, any questions uh, for, for Jude, I'll leave all his details below. Um, you can get in touch and, if you want to ask any questions about the course or, or any of his process, I'm, I'm sure he's always open to yeah, feedback. Sure. And yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, uh, I um, am always open to giving people feedback or answer questions. If anyone has it, just reach out to me on any of my social media. Cool. Fantastic. Um, thanks again to yourself for, um, for giving up your time. Yeah, thank you for um, having me, man. This was good. Yeah, man. Really appreciate it. I'm glad you were able to sit a bit longer and noodle through some stuff and, and break down your process. I'm, I'm sure somebody who watched the episode will definitely find it interesting and, and and definitely take something away from it um and then yeah again if you're if you're listening to this at any point and you want to check out jude's work that he done during the stream um just hold on to the youtube channel and uh you can watch the video back um where he, where he kind of breaks down his process um and then also you know wherever you are make sure you like uh the the podcast uh give it some feedback give it some some love some subscribers um, we also have a discord which is down below i'll leave it in the links and you guys can join we've got a, a community there of uh, just over 100 people at the moment that usually post up work or give feedback so if you're looking for a small community to to interact with uh, when you're starting out and you want to just get some basic feedback there's a lot of people there uh, of mixed varieties some 3d artists some 2 2d um, and then yeah that's that's pretty much it um, check back in with the podcast we're going to have a couple more really good guests coming up and uh and yeah thanks again to jude and for all you guys listening and uh yeah we'll see you all later uh thanks again for tuning in bye guys